Drew Timmy spoke with reporters for the first time since making the decision to return to Spokane for one more season. We are going to hear from him later in the episode and also recap how our Zags are performing during the MLB season, including a recent trade that involved a Zag and a big brawl between the Mariners and the Angels right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. I also want to thank all of you who have continued to make Locked On Zags your first listen of the day, as well as those of you who have checked the show out on YouTube. Over 750 subscribers, three-fourths of the way toward our goal, which is 1,000 subscribers, hoping to get there before the first tip-off of the college basketball season. Well on our way, but if you are listening to this and you have not done so, just go to youtube.com, hit that search Locked on Zags, do that first, and then hit that subscribe button. I really appreciate it. All right, we're talking baseball today. We are talking Zags in the MLB. There are three of them right now who are currently playing in Major League Baseball, a handful of others who could end up finding their way back into the big leagues for some of them and into the big leagues for the first time for others. But I thought it was a good opportunity for us to check in on them. It's the summer months. After all, we're getting into July, which is kind of baseball season. And not only that, two of the Zags, two-thirds of the Zags who are in the MLB had some pretty big news happen very, very recently. So we're going to touch on those guys. First up is Wyatt Mills. Wyatt Mills has been traded. This is official as of Monday morning. He has been traded from the Seattle Mariners to the Kansas City Royals in a deal that is netting the Mariners' first baseman, Carlos Santana. Uh, For those of you who are Mariners fans, of course, please check out the Locked On Mariners podcast. I actually used to host the Locked On Mariners podcast many years ago as my first foray into the Locked On Podcast Network back in 2018. Didn't last very long. Uh, Opted instead to start my own Gonzaga podcast. Circled all the way back. And of course, I'm here hosting Locked on Zags, but continue to be a follower of the Seattle Mariners. And of course, it has been a bit of an up and down season for them. We're going to talk a lot more about the Mariners in the second segment, specifically uh, the events that occurred on Sunday against the Los Angeles Angels. But for now, in light of Ty France's injury for the Mariners, uh, he's out. They're, they're short of first baseman. They traded for Carlos Santana from Kansas City. It makes a lot of sense for them. One of the players they had to give up in the deal was Wyatt Mills. And it's a bit of a bummer. Mills is a hometown kid. He's from Spokane. He went to obviously went to Gonzaga University, played there. Uh, he was initially drafted by the Mariners in the third round of the 2017 MLB draft. He'd been drafted initially by Tampa Bay in 2016. I believe it was the 17th round. Uh, decided to come back to school for another year. Bumped his stock all the way up. Third round draft pick. Now the MLB draft is a little bit odd. Teams will sometimes draft players for reasons outside of their specific talent level. In this case, part of the reason that Mills was drafted so highly is because the Mariners knew that they could sign him for a little bit less money than they may have had to pay to a high school player at that time who had a little bit more leverage in negotiations. In this case, the Mariners used that extra money to draft Sam Carlson, a high school pitcher in the fifth round of that draft. So Mills was partly a legacy draft, partly a guy who they just knew was 
you know, was going to sign for a little bit less money, was a local kid. Uh, but they had every intention of churning him out into a big league player. And that is exactly what happened. He was successful throughout all the levels of the minor leagues. He's a, a really fun kid to watch pitch. If you haven't gotten a chance to see him, he throws very sidearm. He comes from way down here. It's like his knuckles are about to scrape the ground, uh, but he throws very, very hard from that angle. And that's really rare. There are not a lot of pitchers who are able to get a ton of velocity from that arm angle, which is what has made him so unique. He did not make it to the major leagues until 2021. And during the 2020. 2021 season, excuse me, he appeared in 11 games through 12 and two-thirds innings. Not going to lie to you, there wasn't a lot of success on the bump for him in that first stretch of big league time. He had a 9.95 ERA, 14 earned runs in just over 12 innings pitched. Some of that was some bad luck. Uh, His FIP and some of the other advanced statistics, for those of you who are into uh, advanced analytics in baseball, uh, indicate that Mills pitched a lot better than the 9.95 ERA would indicate. Typically, if you just have a couple things that are bad luck over the course of a full season, it's not going to stand out too much statistically. But over over a very small sample size, which 12 innings is barely more than one game's worth of innings pitched. Uh, it's going to stand out a little bit more. He had 11 strikeouts and seven walks during that time was a guy who kind of jumped up and down between the major league club and the minor league club, which is located in Tacoma. So he got very used to that fun stretch of I-5 between Seattle and Tacoma, which is not a stretch of of highway that anybody really wants to get particularly used to, specifically if you are a baseball player jettisoning between those two teams. But he made it to the major leagues again this year in 2022 with Seattle. He threw 8.2 innings with the Mariners before the trade. He had a much more palatable 4.15 ERA. That's only a little bit above the league average. So that still keeps him right in that kind of range you'd want to see from a middle reliever. Uh, He had six strikeouts and three walks during that time. So again, he's kind of a guy who is right on the cusp of being somebody who sticks in the major leagues long term right now. He's kind of been being pinballed back and forth between the major leagues and AAA. I expect that to more or less be the case in Kansas City as well. Uh, I haven't done an incredibly deep dive into what their bullpen depth looks like, but Seattle's is almost certainly better. Kansas City has had issues in that area in the past, and likely they wouldn't have acquired somebody like him if they didn't think that they would have a strong use for him right out of the gates. The other really nice thing about Wyatt He's been very, very good at AAA throughout his career. So if you're just trying to acquire a player who's going to help make your minor league rosters a little bit better, help fill out the roster down there. You only have 26 players or 28 players now on your major league roster, but you have hundreds in your minor league system. So while you're, you're obviously your primary goal is getting the best 28 players that you can on your major league roster, you also have to fill out those minor league spots as well. And so why it's going to come in, he's going to split time between the major leagues and the minor leagues. I'm sure he's going to have some success at both spots, but for his career, he's thrown 48 innings in AAA throughout his career over the last couple of seasons. He's at 2.61 ERA and 68 strikeouts. 68 strikeouts in 48 innings is absolutely incredible. That is some elite level numbers right there. So if Kansas City is getting nothing else other than a guy who absolutely dominates the AAA level, I think they'll be pretty happy with it. Uh, but I also expect Wyatt to have some level of success in the major leagues with Kansas City. Uh, maybe as soon as this week, I think it's reasonable that, that Kansas City will have him on the major league club as soon as he gets into Kansas City and gets ready after the trade. Next up is Eli Morgan. Eli Morgan has continued to dominate for Cleveland. He's with the Cleveland Guardians. He was also drafted in 2017, the same year as Wyatt Mills. He was an eighth round draft pick. He's been flat out excellent this season. He's a borderline all-star. In fact, 
Uh, you can't vote for pitchers. I just just remember, you cannot vote for pitchers when you vote for the MLB All-Star Game. Unfortunately, you only vote for position players. If you could, if you could vote for pitchers, I would highly suggest voting for Eli Morgan, not just because he is a zag, but because he has a 2.12 ERA and a 0.618 whip, which is elite, elite. I, I cannot understate how incredible those numbers are for Eli Morgan. He is played 21 games for Cleveland and has 34 innings pitched. He's made one start. He's finished two games, which kind of means he's playing this hybrid role. Sometimes he starts. Sometimes he throws early in the game. Sometimes he comes in very late in the game. Cleveland and Terry Francona have been very good at kind of being creative with how they use pitchers. A lot of teams kind of are very formulaic with starter goes this many innings, reliever comes in this inning, this reliever comes in this inning, and this reliever closes the game. And we've seen as teams have become more willing to adapt and adjust and do things a little bit differently to try to gain an edge advantage wise, we've seen that teams that are more willing to use pitchers based more on matchups, based more on uh, things other than just the formulaic, this is how it's always been done type of deal. It has helped those teams have a lot of success. Francona, the manager for Cleveland, has done this a lot throughout his career. He's very good at turning Andrew Miller, a kind of guy that everybody expected to just be a a pitcher that you only face against lefties. He decided to use him in a more unique role. This is about 15 years ago and turned him into a legitimate multi-time all-star, one of the best pitchers in baseball for a period of time. Looks like they're trying to do something similar with Eli. Uh, Eli's going to have to, it's a lofty goal to get to where Andrew Miller was. Uh, Certainly he's a, he's a much different pitcher. He throws from the right side as opposed to Miller. Uh, And his stuff is a little bit different than Miller's, but I think, he has the ability to be a lights-out pitcher if used correctly. And so far, Cleveland really looks like they're using him the correct way. Morgan has a absolutely nasty changeup, one of the greatest changeups in all of baseball. Uh, the Zags have an ability to develop pitchers with high-end changeups very well. Marco and Eli have literally two of the 15 or so best changeups in all of baseball. Uh, Morgan's changeup has won Nastiest Pitches Awards, a website that I... Uh, contribute at called Pitcher List. They do a Nastiest Pitches article every single day, and fans can vote on which pitch they thought was the nastiest of the day. Eli Morgan won about a week ago with his changeup that floated on the outside corner, absolutely bamboozled the guy hitting. It was extremely fun to watch. So a shout out to Eli Morgan. He's having a fantastic season. Uh, We love celebrating Zags and professional ranks here on the Locked on Zags podcast and seeing Eli have this level of success. I knew he would be a big leaguer and I knew he would have some success, but his first couple years weren't nearly this good. So seeing him really, really peak right now and have this level of success has been tremendously fun for me as a baseball fan and as a Gonzaga fan. We're going to come back in the second segment. We're going to talk Marco Gonzalez. We're going to talk about the Seattle Mariners and the Los Angeles Angels and the brawl that occurred on Sunday morning and what Marco had to do with it, what his comments were after the game, and how some people reacted to them. Before we get there, though, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. College basketball may be deep into the offseason, but the MLB, WNBA, and MLS seasons are heating up into the summer months. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all the latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. 
All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, still talking Zags in the MLB. That's right, folks. Zags don't just play in the NBA. They don't just play in the WNBA. We got a handful of Zags playing professional baseball at the top level of the game. We talked about Wyatt Mills and Eli Morgan in the first segment. Segment two here, we're talking Marco Gonzalez, the third and final Zag who has appeared in the major leagues this season. Marco's been awesome. He's been flat out awesome. He's been awesome for pretty much his entire major league career. I had a little bit of a dip last year where he wasn't quite as good as he had been previously, but he's been he's been a bright spot on a Mariners team that hasn't had a ton of bright spots this season, unfortunately. Uh, they've been struggling much more in the hitting department than they have in the pitching department. Marco is a big reason for that. He has a 3.31 ERA on the season. He has made 15 starts this year. That leads the major leagues. He is the major league league leader in Total starts made so far this season. Hopefully that continues. It's a testament to his durability, his workout regimen, his ability to stay healthy and continue to contribute for the Mariners every fifth day. Really incredible testament to what he has done. He's thrown 81.2 innings this season. He has 47 strikeouts and 31 walks. Frankly, neither of those numbers are great from a statistical standpoint. The walks are higher than you'd like to see, especially for a guy who doesn't throw overpowering stuff. He doesn't he, do, he doesn't generate a ton of strikeouts. He doesn't generate a lot of swings and misses. So when you're that way, you kind of want to make sure you're around the strike zone a lot. You don't want to be walking a whole bunch of guys while also not striking out a whole bunch of guys. Uh, but Marco's made it work. There's no other way to look at it. He's a gamer. He is a gamer. He, when he needs to get it done, when the team needs him to step up and, and get a big out, get a strikeout, roll a double play, whatever it is, he just seems to get it done. He has been dealt with being criticized for being boring. That was a big thing that happened a few years ago when the uh, then president of the Seattle Mariners went on a very strange kind of tirade talking to boosters about all the players in the team and saying some pretty racist things. And amongst the things that he said was calling Marco Gonzalez boring, which was far from the most inflammatory thing that he said, but Marco kind of ate it up and wore t-shirts that said very boring person on them and kind of just... Just leaned into it a little bit uh, earlier this year. Scott Service, their manager, uh, talked about how Marco is not sexy. And Marco responded by saying something along the lines of like, oh, my wife thinks I am or something like that. He's He's been very good at kind of leaning into some of that mentality, that personality a little bit. But beyond that, he's also an absolute warrior. He is somebody you want on your team day in and day out. And that was proven very convincingly on Sunday in the game between the Los Angeles Angels and the Seattle Mariners. I won't go into too much detail on what happened. Check it out if you have not seen it. But effectively, Los Angeles decided to start a relief pitcher instead of their normal starter. Uh, It seemed pretty clear to me as a spectator that they started this player with the intention of him throwing at the Mariners starting outfielder Julio Rodriguez. Uh, He attempted to hit him. He missed, and then when Jesse Winker, the second batter of the game, came up, he attempted to hit Winker, did hit Winker, and that kind of set off a cavalcade of events. Winker was very upset to be thrown at. He started yelling at the manager for the Angels. They got into an altercation. Boom, the bench is cleared. Everybody got into an altercation. There was punches thrown, people fighting. Somebody on the Mariners, we just found out, went on the injured list with a hurt shoulder because of the fight. It was a very intense as, as far as baseball fights go, they rarely turn into full-on brawls, and this one was mostly just people pushing each other, which is how baseball fights tend to go, but it was still one of the more serious ones that you'll ever see. Uh, this stemmed because the, Mar- the Angels felt that Mariner relief pitcher Eric Swanson threw at Mike Trout the game before, so they were retaliating by 
starting a pitcher specifically with the sole intention of having him throw at the Mariners hitters. They deny it. They say that there was always the plan for them to start an opener and have this guy start and throw the first inning. I don't buy it. I'm not. Some of you listening might buy it to each his own. <laughs> you know, it's kind of just one of those things. It's a he said, she said type of situation in this case. But I was still not the fun, not something that you want to see on the baseball field. Obviously, the guys are there to play baseball. They're not there to, to hurt each other. They're not there to throw baseballs at each other. That's not the spirit of the game. Marco was a starting pitcher for Seattle that day. He threw six innings. He gave up two runs, walked four, struck out five, did not get the win, unfortunately, although he gave the Mariners a great chance to secure a victory, but their their run support wasn't there. Marco spoke out after the game and was pretty clear in his argument, feeling like what L.A. did was classless, that they started this pitcher intentionally with the purpose of throwing at the hitters, all of that. I understand his point. I think he's correct. Uh, I think it's a testament to his character to be willing to step up and say that. He's a leader on this Seattle team. Like he is, he is very clearly one of the people that they look to to speak to the media, to be a part of these conversations to lead the charge. I don't know exactly what his persona is like within the clubhouse. That's not something that I'm privy to. Uh, That's not something that most people are privy to, but I suspect that he is a leader in that clubhouse as well. It's a lot of young players on that team. Uh, And even some of the veteran guys are guys who have not been there very long. So Marco really kind of takes on a a powerful role in that clubhouse. And it's cool to see him get that opportunity. We know he's, he's a legendary zag with one of the best pitchers in program history, if not the best pitcher in program history, one of the highest drafted zags of all time. Gabriel Hughes will very likely eclipse that this season, but still Marco's been a, a pillar for representing this program in a long way for a very long time. And what he has done with Seattle and kind of the reputation he has earned as one of their leaders and uh, charismatic personalities, even though he has been labeled very boring in the past. Uh, it's been very fun to see him grow and develop like that and have a role in a, in a really intense moment in Seattle season. All right, we're going to come back in the third segment. We're going to hear from Drew Timmy, who spoke with KRM's Brenna Green and his return about his return to Spokane, how close he was to making a different decision and potentially ending up in the NBA and what Things pulled him back right after this. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zags. We're going to hear from Drew Timmy, the man himself, speaking with Brenna Green at KREM for the first time since he announced his return to Gonzaga for next season. He claims that he didn't intend to be one of, if not the last person to make his decision, but that he was truly 50-50 on whether he wanted to come back or whether he wanted to pursue a professional career. Hear him talk about what it ultimately helped him make the decision to come back to Spokane for one more year. How does it feel to be back on campus? It's great, man. I just love the staff, the people, the players. You know, we got a lot of new faces this year, so it's been fun getting to meet everyone. And uh, I just love it here. I love being in college. I love being a Zag, so I couldn't ask for a better situation. Why did you decide to do um, It was a close choice, but, uh, you know, NIL is a, a big thing. And as well as just being able to have my degree. And, uh, and I kind of flipped a coin, honestly. It was pretty close. And... Uh, I didn't mean to go to the end to be like one of the last people to do it, but it just happened to be that way. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like I made the right choice at the end of the day. I'm happy, and I, that's where my heart was at. Were you going to wait until 8.59 until Shams tweeted it out? No, I was, I was ready to tweet it out for a while, but I really was thinking about it a lot. I mean, it was, it was a, it's a life-changing decision, and it's something that, you know, affects 
the future for me for a while, and, you know, I just kind of just went with my heart and uh, ended up here, so can't complain. NIL, what does that, what does that future look like for you, NIL West? Yeah. I don't know. Basketball comes first, and uh, I, feel like, I feel like you get what you put into the courts, so, you know, the better you play, the more you get. The worse you play, you don't get as much, so uh, I don't worry about that. Just kind of do me, play basketball, and... Uh, yeah, the rest will come. Number one team in the country for the three, third straight year you've been on the squad. Well, like, what have you learned about maybe being ranked the preseason number one over the years? It's nice. It's it's nice that people, you know, have such respect for a program, especially Gonzaga. You know, it always seems like we get hated on so much. So uh, it's nice, and it's it's a nice form of respect for sure. But uh, it doesn't mean anything. I mean. We can speak to that firsthand. So, uh, you know, just going out there, proving it, and playing like we're unranked. So uh, that's kind of just how we always approach things. And, uh, you know, you saw it throughout the country last year. We were one of the only teams to hold on to the number one seed. It's hard. It's hard when you have that target on your back. So it's a, it's a pressure, but we've earned the right to have that pressure. So it'll be fine. Last game of the season last year, you know, going out like that, did that, did that factor at all into, into your decision to come back? Uh. Not really. I didn't. It's not really good to make uh, decisions emotionally. So uh, you know, just made it strictly just from what I what I wanted, and uh, this is what I wanted. What have you been hearing about practices? Has the team been scrimmaging yet, or like? I haven't been up here. I yeah. don't know. I've been back home working out with my guys, and yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. Uh, that's good if they are, though. That's always fun. It's way more fun to compete, especially when you have a a bunch of new guys and. You know, even guys that are older, you, the only way you're going to get better and get that chemistry is competing. They know they know how college works. They know the system. So uh, just figuring things out and competing is the best way, I feel like, for us to learn. So if that is the case, then I'm excited to hop into that. How does it feel to have so many familiar faces coming back for this squad? It's fun, and, you know, it's reassuring, too. I think uh, I think last year we were young, and it cut up to us a little bit at times. And, uh, you know, we have a lot more experience this year, so I think, uh, I think we can really capitalize on that. What is it like being out in the community at these events? Because to be honest, you really haven't had a, a lot of experiences doing that with COVID over the last two years. It's just great to like interact with like people who really cheer for you and support you and really care for you. And it's awesome, you know, to kind of just give them joy. And, you know, every time I see a little kid, to put a smile on his face and his parents' face, it's like it just it makes you like fall in love with what you do. It's awesome to make other people laugh and enjoy life. So like that's the best part about this all. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Play more exciting content coming your way this week. Potentially a couple interviews. Uh, it's working on setting them up right now, but going to be some really, really fun interviews coming your way right here on the Locked on Zags podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts and, of course, available on YouTube as well. Finally, thank you again to those of you who have made Locked on Zags your first listen of the day. Locked on WCC doesn't exist yet, but you can get more informed on the West Coast happenings by making Locked on Pac-12 your second listen of the day. Host Spencer McLaughlin and the local experts of Locked on take you across the Pac-12 in 30 minutes, five times per week. Thank you all for listening and go Zags.